The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. 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 Yo, 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 what up? This is Rocky Asuka Romero of Chaos, and you are listening to Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From the Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get go Boy Yeah from Tampa Bay To the Tokyo Dome This is keeping it strong style With your hosts Jeremy Donovan And the young boy Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Jeremy Dahlman here, not with the young boy, Josh Smith. Josh cannot make it on the show tonight, but stepping in for him this week is the co-host, one-third of the Outsider's Edge, the golden lover, Kyle Moores. And on today's show, we'll be reviewing Power Struggle, as well as covering all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing to the Social Suplex Podcast Network on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns at socialsuplex.com. Go to socialsuplex.com slash subscribe to sign up to get all the podcasts and columns delivered directly to your email inbox. Kyle, once again, thanks for jumping in this week. Appreciate it. Oh, no. Thank you guys so much for having me. Um, Shame I couldn't get on with the young boy, but uh, thank you to the young boy for reaching out and letting me on the show. I'm a big fan of KISS, of course, Um, and looking forward to talking New Japan because I don't get a lot of opportunities to talk New Japan on the edge. Yeah, unfortunately, you have to you have to cover that uh, that other promotion. <laughs> you know, sometimes that other promotion just makes you want to bang your head against a wall, but it's okay because we have good we have a good show to discuss tonight and some really good news about the big show in January, and it's gonna be gonna be a good talk. Yeah, so let's uh, kick it off. So this past Saturday was the Power Struggle event, a lot of big matches. So we'll run down the card, give our thoughts on each of the matches and kind of where that's going um, leading into Wrestle Kingdom 13. Uh, So the show opened off. We had our opening match with uh, Taguchi Japan, which was uh, Taguchi, ACH, Hanare, and Chris Sabin taking on the team of Tiger Mash, Jushin Thunder, Liger, Volador Jr., and Soberano Jr. All uh, eight of these men, well, actually seven of the eight of these men competed in the Super Junior Tag League Tournament. Uh, the one guy not be, would be uh, Hanara, who was not in the tournament. So it's kind of a match to give these guys kind of a place on the card and, you know, close a tour out for them. What do you think about this matchup? I mean, there wasn't a really a whole lot to think about the match. Like you said, it was really just putting a lot of the juniors that had been part of the tour with the Junior Tag League on the show. Um, and, I mean, you never, you're never upset to see Jushin Thunder Liger in a show. Um, I wasn't paying as much attention to this match as I was a lot of the matches later on in the card. Um, 
but I will say that I'm hoping to see some of the guys like Volador uh, used a little bit more because really right now New Japan needs more juniors. It, it, seems like, it seems like there are a lot, but a lot of them are either locked up in the tag teams right now or people are hurt. And so I'd like to see more of these guys like Volador and like um, Robbie Eagles, who had a match later on in the night. I'd like to see more of these guys because I think that they really need more juniors right now. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, ACH, a guy in this match, I think he's a great guy that they should try and pick up. You know, I've been hearing rumors about his status right now. Um, it seems like he's signing somewhere big next year. It might be WWE. It might be New Japan. Not 100% sure, but it seems like he's been taking less indie dates. So, I mean, he's a guy that I would try and lock down for their junior division and push heavily uh, when you need somebody to be a contender or like a secondary junior program. Absolutely. No, absolutely. If ACH is available for a more full-time deal, I think he's absolutely somebody that they should consider pursuing um, as long as he doesn't end up signing with WWE. Obviously, they're not trying to get in a bidding war with the guys up in New York, but um, he's definitely someone that they should look into signing. Yeah. So, yeah, this was, you know, a fun, you know, good opener match, little action, great way to start the show off. Uh, Taguchi Japan ended up get the win with a double-team X-Factor on uh, Soberano Jr., and they get the win. And then the, – and- Yeah. Well, and that's a great way to start a show with, you know, you get Liger out there and crowds, the live crowds still love Liger. He's such a legend. Um, you get him out there, you get Taguchi out there, who's also very beloved. So just a great way to really like get the crowd ready for a good night. Yeah. I mean, both, I mean, pretty much everybody on this match are all baby faces that the crowd loved. And so, yeah, it was just a great way to get the crowd invested and just, you know, they were cheering for everybody and, you know, they all love, you know, Taguchi, Taguchi's antics and, you know, ACH can kind of goof off of him too. And then, you know, Liger and Tiger do their thing and everybody loves them. So yeah, definitely a great way to get, you know, the crowd invested into the show. Uh, and then the next matchup, we have six-man tag action. We had the Bullet Club OG team of Tama Tonga, Tangaloa, and Robbie Eagles, and they were accompanied by uh, Taiji Ishimori taking on uh, the Great Bash Heel and Kushida, Great Bash Heel being Makabe and Hunma. So this was a six-man tag. What are your thoughts on this one? Um, my major thought on this match is Hanma is scary to watch. And I worry about him every time I see him in a match and he, his movement still looks really, really awkward and really, really bad. And I know he worked super hard to come back from the serious injury that he came back from, but I need Hanma to stop wrestling. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. We've talked about this the last, you know, few weeks on keeping it strong style. Um, you know, since Hun was come back, it just does not look a hundred percent. looks kind of shaky in there. You know, this is the first time I'm actually like really legitimately worried about somebody continuing to wrestle. And as of this recording, there's nothing official yet about world tag league, but it seems pretty obvious that they want to put Hanma and Makabe, Great Bash heel in world tag league this year. So for him to do like a 17-night tour, uh, even though it's just tag matches, that's still, I'm like, is, he, is his body going to hold up for that? 
Well, and it's never a good sign when I know that we're all pretty educated fans that are watching, especially those of us that are American fans watching a product like New Japan. But it's never a good sign when even we can tell that the performers are going out of their way to protect Hanma and to not do not to go all out with their moveset and to make sure that they're putting them down very carefully. And it's never good when even we can tell that. Yeah. Um, and so I, I just, I'm, wor- I'm with you. I'm worried about his health. I don't want to see someone permanently cripple themselves for really at the end of the day, what's entertainment. I don't want him to cripple himself forever because of wrestling. We love you. We care about you. Please stop. Yeah. And so it's going to be interesting going forward, seeing if, you know, they've used him a lot to see if, if he is going to end up being this world tag league and how he performs during that. Yeah. Uh, that I hope they don't put them in, but I'm with you. I think they've, they've used them too much lately for me to think that they're not going to be in world tag league. And I'm just hoping that if they are going to be in world tag league, they're a team that's, not going to do a whole lot. Yeah, they, um, they pretty much he needs to rely on Hanma to kind of you know take. I mean, uh, Makabe, excuse me, to do the majority of the heavy lifting in their matches. And you know, hopefully they're um, putting a, a, a block that has you know not so many crazy teams in there that they can kind of you know just kind of slide through. Uh, Absolutely. They do not need to be in there with a super physical team. But the more important development from this match was obviously there at the end where um, Taiji Ishimori attacks Kushida with the crutch at the end of the match and then beats the mess out of him, um, holds up the title, poses and sets up this big challenge for a match that I will definitely be excited to watch between Ishimori and Kushida for the junior heavyweight title. Yeah, very excited about that. So, you know, uh, Ishimori did legitimately hurt his ankle during the Super Junior Tag League towards the end of the tour. Um, So he was originally supposed to be in this match. And so, you know, he comes out on the crutches. We think that, you know, he's just going to be out on the match, just, you know, assisting the uh, BCOG guys. But then he comes in with the crutch, like you mentioned, wax Kushida, shows us that the ankle is fine and lifts up the junior heavyweight title and is ready for a title shot against Kushida at Wrestle Kingdom. And that is going to be a match, folks. That is going to be a great battle. I love Kushida. I'm a big fan of Ishimori. Cannot wait to see the two of them go one-on-one. Yeah, and so we have a question here from Reddit user uh, Muzza underscore 44. He says, with uh, Taiji Ishimori challenging Kushida for the junior title, when and who do Ishimori and G.O.D. drop the never six-man titles to? Hmm. The when I'm not positive on, but as far as the who, I think they drop them to probably like a Cody and the Bucks because that would give them something to do at Wrestle Kingdom. Because right now I'm not really sure what you do with those guys at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, well, maybe not Cody. Cody's the U.S. champion. Um, maybe Hangman and the Bucks. Same basic idea. 
They don't have a whole lot to do, obviously, right now. They're not probably going to be in World Tag League, um, and that would be an easy way to get those guys on the Wrestle Kingdom card, um, putting them in the big six-man battle royal. So that's my guess. Yeah, as far as when, uh, I mean, there's only a few chances between now and Wrestle Kingdom for them to possibly pull out a title match. Uh, more than likely, I think it would happen. There are two Road to Tokyo Dome shows that will be airing live on New Japan World. Um, I believe they're December 14th and 15th. Um, so those are like pretty much, that's pretty much the last chance for them to do a match like that. They could potentially also do it at the World Tag League Finals maybe. Uh, but then again, GOD's in the World Tag League. Um, so they would potentially be in the finals. So they might not be able to do it the finals. So Road to Tokyo Dome would probably be the best chance for them to do the title match. Um, like you mentioned, Young Bucks and Cody would be a great option for them to do. Um, you know, there's always a uh, Taguchi Japan team that they could throw together. I'm sure there's like a random chaos team of, of three guys they could throw together just to get the belts off those guys. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be one of those random trios of people who more than likely don't have anything going on big for Wrestle Kingdom, but people that you know are going to be on the card anyway. Um, and that'll be the mixture that they're going to go with. Um, but yeah, you're right. There's not a whole lot of opportunities between now and January for them to do it. So that'll probably be a pretty quick thing. Yeah. So uh, this match, like we mentioned, Ishimori hit Kashida with the crutch. He got hit with a gun stun after that. So the BCOG team picks up the win here, uh, seven minutes, 52 seconds. You know, another, you know, good match right there. You know, nothing too crazy, but, you know, just kind of New Japan, they kind of like build their card. So just another match that was kind of building the excitement for later on. Um, and speaking of and G.O.D. did everything right because listeners of The Edge will know that we show all deference to the Tongans. Yes. You got, you got to respect the Tongans. Got to respect them. But uh, speaking of BCOG, we had more of the BCOGs in action in the next matchup with Switchblade, Jay White, and Bad Luck Fale taking on the chaos team of Kazuchika Okada and Trent Beretta. So, you know, this is an ongoing battle between Okada and Jay White. We've got Trent Beretta and Bad Luck Fale being pulled into the mix here. What do you think about this one? Uh, well, they had a pretty nice moment in this match between Okada and Ghetto, um, where they had the big stare down, and then Jay White comes in and interferes. But the whole point of this match was just to keep setting up the big match between Ghetto or Ghetto between Okada and Switchblade at Wrestle Kingdom, um, and it did that pretty masterfully. Uh, after the match, they had a really big brawl. It was a pull apart affair. Um, Ghetto's holding Jay White back. Then Switchblade breaks out, jumps over the Young Lions, attacks Okada again. Okada gets in the ring, challenges him um, for a fight. Right here, right now, White goes to um, accept the challenge and then closes and locks the gate and walks away because Switchblade does what Switchblade wants on Switchblade's time. 
Exactly. Um, you know, Trent ended up getting the win here over uh, Balak Fale, um, countering the Balak Fall. So Chaos got the win. They really needed that win because they've lost to the BCOGs the majority of this Power Struggle Tour. Um, so they got some momentum on their side. And like you mentioned, we have the post-match uh, stuff between Okada and Jay White. Uh, we have a question here from your co-host, Rance Morris. He asks, who do we think is the mole in chaos? And, you know, a lot of people thought it was going to be Beretta, but it turns out it's not. So who do you think the mole in chaos is that Jay White's been referencing to? You know, I, I've been thinking about it, and I'm going to give an, a real outside-the-ballpark answer. What if it's Yoshihashi? Oh. Like... It, it, someone you're not thinking about, someone that you wouldn't think makes any sense, especially the way that Jay White whooped his ass um, when he turned on Chaos the first time. But at the same time, when you start to like look at the members of Chaos, there aren't a lot of people that it would make sense to be. Um, you may be th- you're maybe thinking maybe one half of Rapongi 3K, but are they going to actually break Rapongi 3K up? I don't know, um, especially right now because the junior tag division is so thin. Like when you when your junior tag league is eight teams randomly thrown together, half of which don't even work with the company full time, you maybe don't want to break up one of your best junior tags. Um, so I'd say no to them. I don't think it'll be any of the Gaijins because none of the Gaijins really make sense. Um, so that leaves you with Ishii, Okada, Goto, and Yoshihashi. And we darn sure know it ain't Okada. And we're pretty sure it's probably not Ishii. So Goto or Yoshihashi? Mm, I'm going to go with Yoshihashi. I don't really care about either one, but I guess I'd go with that. Yeah, and you know, it's it's not completely out of left field. Um, the last tour, I believe it was, or like two tours ago, you know, they had, they had that whole thing when Jay White was still in chaos. They had those like six-man tags. It was like Jay White, Okada, and Yoshihashi. And there was a lot of miscommunications between Okada and Yoshihashi um, during those six-man tags. One of them where Okada accidentally like booted Yoshihashi. Um, so, you know, there could be something where maybe Jay White was starting to plant the seed back then to Yoshihashi and being, you know, hey, you can't trust Okada. You know, I'm doing this thing. I'm, I'm about to take over the Bullet Club. You should come with me. Um, so, yeah, so it could be. I mean, Yoshihashi is actually, you know, probably the, the only other option there could be. I'll, I'll give another. It would be another weird option, but it would be one that I would love. Um, I'd love for it to be Yano and for Yano to go back to being like, Crazy badass heel Yanu. <laughs> yeah, that would be yeah, that would be like a total like one eighty on where he's at right now. Uh, but Just hey, completely be- changed the character. Then <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got another question here from Reddit user Camputa. He says thoughts on the U.S. Championship defended successfully at Wrestle Kingdom against Juice, and then Jay White challenging it for it at New Year's Dash. So instead of putting the world title on him or keeping him without a title, this could work and it makes sense storyline-wise. So what do you think about that? Um, I think that would be a decent way to go if, you know, 
Cody, especially if Cody's going to be leaving, which, you know, is definitely a distinct possibility right now. The, all the elite guys are putting a big tease on the where are they going to go thing. Um, so that would be a decent way to go. My only thought is, though, and, you know, this is probably a flawed thought process, but my thought is if you beat Okada at Wrestle Kingdom and then you're challenging for the U.S. title, that feels like a step down. Yeah, yeah, totally agree with you. I mean, I, I feel like the U.S. title is a step down in general for Jay White. I mean, he's already held a title this year. Um, I feel like at this point... Kind of graduated beyond it. Right. I feel at this point, he needs he needs to be winning, like, the Intercontinental title uh, for the next title. And I, I could see that, you know, maybe he loses to Okada at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, Naito wins the belt at Wrestle Kingdom. And then you could do, like, Naito and Jay White at new beginning for the intercontinental title and work a few between um lij and the bullet club ogs but yeah i don't see them going back with jay white with the u.s title yeah no it just feels like he's kind of moved past that belt um it wouldn't be necessarily the worst thing that they could do with him but when you think of where the u.s title is right now from a prestige standpoint it just feels like jay white is past that Right. You know, you know, they, they had a great start with the U.S. title, putting it on, you know, Kenny Omega and having him have some great defenses. But then after that, the way they've treated that title, it's become a lower mid-card title. And they kind of give it to guys who they kind of want to get a little kickstart to. You know, they gave it to uh, Jay White. They gave it to Juice Robinson. And now Cody has it. Um, and even though Cody is definitely a main eventer and a top star, but he's not a full-time New Japan guy, so he's kind of you know out of sight, out of mind. So that U.S. title is definitely not a high priority um, for New Japan right now. So Jay White, he's a very polarizing character. He's somebody they're pushing heavily right now. So I do think it would be going backwards, putting the U.S. title on him. Agreed. Uh, so our next matchup of the evening, we had uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi teaming up with David Finley, taking on the Golden Lovers, the IWGP champion Kenny Omega, and Kota Ibushi. And I think when we saw David Finley as Hiroshi Tanahashi's partner, we all know what was going to happen in this match. <laughs> David Finley comes out to do one thing, y'all, and that is catch that ass whooping. <laughs> somebody's got to do it somebody's got to do it. And in a match with Ibushi, Omega, and the Ace, only one of those people is going to catch the ass whooping. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things like you learn in school. One of these things is not like the other. Yep, and something that, does not fit in this equation. And that was and it's a C-block champion. <laughs> yeah, and you know, the reason why he was in this matchup, um, coming up later this month, they're, they're having Lions Break uh, shows in California. And one of the shows, there's going to be a one-on-one matchup with David Finley and Kenny Omega. So Finley here, that was to kind of help build that matchup here. But, you know, well, it's what we expected. Um, the golden trigger on David Finley takes him out. Uh, but, I mean, there's a lot of great interactions here between Omega and Tanahashi. This is the first time they've been in the ring together in like almost like two years. Um, so it was great seeing how they interacted and just the, the buildup uh, to their big title match at Wrestle Kingdom 13. 
Well, and I will give David Finley credit in this regard. Um, He's someone who over the past year, at least in my opinion, has really improved a lot in terms of presentation and um, showing more character and giving me a reason to care about him. Um, And so I will give him a lot of credit for that. But I mean, David Finley was here to job tonight. And he did the job, and he did a great job of doing the job. Um, but the match did um, – the match successfully teased enough of what you could see when Kenny and the Ace go one-on-one um, to really get you looking forward to their match at Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, and one thing, one thing I will give um, some, some credit for David Finley. He hit a nasty Uranagi on Kota Ibushi yeah. in that match. Landed him, like, right on the back of his neck. I was like, yeah, oh, my God. real high angle on the slam. And I was just like, okay, David Finley. <laughs> Dude, I popped big for that. You know, Finley, yes, he is a, a kind of a job guy, but, I mean, he's still solid in the ring. Uh, he knows how to get it done in there. He's capable of having very good matches. He just needs uh, some like a new gimmick. He needs a gimmick in general. He's someone who never got an excursion that I think would have benefited so much from a traditional excursion, sending him somewhere else to really find something for him. But um, they announced during the show that Finley and Juice are going to be in World Tag League, and that is a sleeper team. Um, for the World Tag League. Yeah, they're a very good tag team. And I could see those guys, you know, doing very well, depending on which block they're in in that tournament, at least having very good matches, even if they don't win the majority of them. Um, yeah, it's definitely a sleeper team to look out for. Well, and I think they could get more wins than you're thinking of because the tag, like the, uh, the heavyweight tag division is another one where they're really kind of in need of more bodies they've got bodies and they the ones they've got are good but they need more tag teams and if you've got nothing for finley and juice to do right now that's a great way to keep them relevant that's a great way to keep them in front of the crowds um it's a great way to capitalize on how popular juice is um and him and finley have good chemistry anyway so run with it yeah definitely um, so next up, we had the finals of the Super Junior Tag League Tournament. The IWGP Junior Tag Champs, Desperado and Kanemaru Suzuki-Goon against the team of Bushi and Chingo from LIJ against Sho and Yo from Rapungi 3K. So they had this whole big Super Junior Tag League and ended it in a triple threat match instead of a one-on-one match. Did you have any issues with that? Um. I'm going to say no with a catch. The okay. catch is I missed a lot of the junior tag league because um, I'm a high school teacher and it was grades time. Um, so it was just timing wise. The junior tag league tournament happened at a time when I just didn't have the hours to keep up with all the matches. Um, I had more of an issue with, the result of this match, no disrespect to Rapongi 3K, but like, how many times can I watch Rapongi 3K versus Kanemura and Desperado? Right. How many times can I see that match before we just move on to literally anything else? 
And I feel that seems to be the problem sometimes with both tag divisions where they get locked in on two or three teams and then you just see those matches over and over and over again. And, you know, throughout this year, I mean, Rapungi 3K and Desperado and Kanamaru have been the two major teams in the junior tag division. There really hasn't been anybody else. They've honestly been the only teams in the junior tag division since the Bucks moved up to heavyweight. Exactly. I mean, they've, they've, they sprinkled in Tiger and Liger for a little bit. Um, they Which had, shows how desperate they are, in my opinion. Like, no disrespect at all to Tiger and Liger. But at this stage in their careers, when you're throwing them together to have tag team title challenges, you know you have run out of options. Yeah, and then, you know, um, Hiromu and Bushi was another Get team. Well that soon, was- Hiromu. They were kind of in there at the beginning of the year, and then Hiromi went off into singles. Uh, and so pretty much, yeah, this whole year, it's pretty much, yeah, Rapungi 3K, Suzuki Gun, a little bit of LIJ. So that's pretty much exactly what we got here. Um, and Rapungi 3K, they were a heavy favorite in winning the Super Junior Tag League. They won it last year, and they win it here again. So they are the first team to win the Super Junior Tag League back-to-back. And, you know, they've been telling this whole kind of redemption story um, with Rapungi 3K this whole year. Um, they just, you know, kept losing and losing to Suzuki Goon. They beat Suzuki Goon in a one-on-one or two-on-two match in the tournament. And now they got the win here in the triple threat match. And I thought this was a very good match. Um, a lot of high pace action between all these teams. I really love the interactions with um, Shingo and Sho. They're the both like the power guys on their team. They've been building that this whole tour. Um, I made a note of that as well. Um, I need to see Sho versus Shingo one-on-one. Yes. I need that match to happen in my life. Yeah, and I don't, I don't want to wait until best of the Super Juniors next year. Like, I want to somehow see that before Wrestle Kingdom. Like, we need to get that uh, yeah. Sho and Shingo one-on-one. Yes. Um, Shingo is such a star. And I mean, you knew that when he signed, if you follow Japanese wrestling at all, you knew Shingo Takagi was a star, but it really stands out in a match like this. Everything about him from the way that he presents himself to his moveset to the, um, the character work, like Shingo is a huge star. Um, secondary shout out to Bushi just because that suit was super fresh Yes. That he came to the ring in. I was yeah, like... Bushi always has the freshest suits and the freshest masks. Yes. Bushi came, and he did not disappoint. He came his typical fresh self, and I will always shout out for that. Um, but for me, I think the most impressive thing in the match itself, and there were a lot of impressive things in this match, but that pop-up DVD that Takagi hit, Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, I had a note on that, too. Yes. That was, like, devastating. I don't think I've ever seen a pop-up DVD done like that. No. It was it was devastating, but also, like, I had written in all caps, beautiful, because, like, he just presented it so smoothly that I was like, wow, that was both high impact and beautiful. Um, I had what one of the near falls bothered me a little bit when – I think it was show hit that last ride backbreaker. Yeah. And they kicked out of that. I was just like, that is too high impact a move for us to be doing near falls. Yeah. That's uh, Tommaso, one of Tommaso Ciampa's finisher, that project Ciampa 
powerbomb and, and the double knees. Uh, yeah, that's just for me that one that's one of those moves where when it's hit properly like it was in the match, I was like, no, that's too high impact for you to kick out. That's got to be the finish right there. Yeah. And you know, we had, you know, Kanamaru trying to, you know, use the Satori whiskey, um, but he missed Bushi hit that. with the miss. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, overall very good match ended up with show getting the shock arrow shock arrow uh pile driver on Desperado for the pin. And like we mentioned, Rapungi 3K are your super junior tag league champions this year, back to back, which means they get a title match. However, uh the announced matchup, we're doing a rematch of this triple threat at Wrestle Kingdom. So essentially, they didn't win a one, a you know, a team on team match. They just won some trophies, and they have to win another three way again if they want to win the titles. To me, that's just a cheap way to make sure that you get Shingo and Bushi on the Wrestle Kingdom card. But as good as this match was tonight, I'll allow it because it'll deliver at Wrestle Kingdom too. Right, and I mean. At Wrestle Kingdom, we are used to the multi-team junior matches. That's what they typically kind of do to get a lot of these guys on the card. And at, in the tournament, um, Shingo and Bushi did beat Rapungi 3K on the first night. So technically, they hold a win over the number one contender. So they do have an argument for a title match. Um, so, yeah, I know a lot of people were not really happy that they did this whole tournament just to end in a three-way and then to set up another three-way. Uh, but like you said, I think we're going to get a another you know great match out of it at Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, it makes it makes just enough storyline sense that I can't knock the logic, and the match is going to deliver. So those are the only two things I need, um, which is more than our next match can say in terms of interest because. The match between Taichi and Hiroki Goto did not interest me at all. Yeah. I don't know about you. Before, yeah, before we get to Taichi and Goto, we have a question here from Reddit user Jar of Peanuts. He says, do you guys think Shingo was always going to come to New Japan regardless of Hiromu's injury, or was he only actively sought out with the need of filling Hiromu's spot? Um, well, my answer would be I think that he was probably coming regardless because – He's done everything that there is to do in Dragon Gate. And if he was going to stay in Japan, um, New Japan is the biggest show in town there. So I think that he was probably coming regardless. Um, I think that Hiromu's injury just gave him an easy way to be introduced. Yeah, I definitely think he, he would have come to New Japan regardless of Hiromu's injury. Uh, and so his, his follow-up question was, so if he was already coming to New Japan and Hiromu wasn't injured, do you think he would have still been in LIJ? And that's the one thing. I don't think he probably was going to be in LIJ originally. I figured, you know, with Hiromu being injured, they, they decided I mean, it's a great idea to kind of slot him in that spot for right now. But I feel like if Hiromu was healthy, they would have just brought him in as a singles. Yeah, I, I would probably agree with that. I think that, you know, they probably had no intention of making LIJ any bigger than it was because it's universally beloved by the crowds right now. Um, and they were kind of at their hottest. But Shingo is a big enough name and a popular enough name within Japan that he fits right in with um, the rest of that group. Um, 
And I appreciate that he also wears a mask to the ring like the rest of them do. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the numbers really prove how popular Shingo is because this whole Best of the Super Junior Tag League uh, tour, um, the numbers are up compared to the singles Best of the Super Junior tour that happened, um, you know, earlier this year, the singles version of the tournament. So, you know, a lot of the fans were really interested in Shingo with, you know, they ran a lot of the same venues and attendance was up and people were there. And I got to say they were there for Shingo. So, guy's definitely a star. Absolutely. 100%. I I look forward to when he gets some of these singles matches because I want to see him in show. I want to see him in Kushida. Oh, I want to see him in Will Ospreay. Like, Uh, there's so many. Yeah, there are so many of the juniors that I just want to see him go one-on-one with and watch them do great work. So I, I am all here for Shingo. Yeah, him and Ishimori had some great interactions in their tag match in the tournament. So, yeah, we love seeing Shingo in the tournament. And, you know, we, we ran a Super Junior Prediction Contest, and we had a tie for the two of those winners. So I will be reaching out to the winners via email. So if you don't get an email from me, that means you didn't win. Uh, try again next year. <laughs> uh, but uh, moving on, like you were talking about, a match that lacked interest, the never open weight title match with the champion Tai Chi defending against Hiroki Goto. Originally, this was supposed to be Tai Chi defending against Will Ospreay. But Osprey suffered a rib injury, uh, wrestling, so he had to pull out of this whole tour, pull out of this title match, and so they replaced him with Hiroki Goto. Uh, and I gotta say, I was you no know, let down by this matchup. I mean, when you're switching from Osprey to Hiroki Goto, I feel like you're being set up for a letdown. <laughs> uh, that's a recipe for a bad time. Um, I had a note here where it was less than two minutes in, Goto is out, and I wish I was too. <laughs> and, you know, that the whole beginning of the match, like, was honestly the main problem for me. So the bell rings and Taichi hits this big Saito suplex. Like you mentioned, Goto is knocked out. So I have two questions here. A, why didn't Taichi just pin him and win the match? Because that would make sense. Or B, why didn't the referee stop the match? We have seen referee stoppages in New Japan. It's something that they utilize to finish, to finish matches and declare a winner. Goto was clearly out, and the, the match should have been stopped, and Taichi should have won via knockout. Absolutely. They spent the first, like, ten minutes, or five or six of the first ten minutes of this match were just Taichi kicking him around, or they went out into the crowd and Taishi just starts beating the crap out of him with chairs and throwing him into the barricade and doing all this other stuff. And Goto's, like, rolling his eyes and selling like he's legit out cold. Yeah. And that was my thought. I was like, okay, they've, they've stopped matches for less. Exactly. Um, and I, I get they're trying to tell the story that, you know, Taishi's an overconfident champion. But the problem was the way Goto sold the suplex. You know, he sold it like he was completely out. He should have sold it like he was kind of half out, but was still, you know, able to move around and still able to defend himself. But, you know, the whole, the whole beginning of that match, he wasn't able to defend himself. 
Yeah, it, well, and I mean, it was a flawed premise anyway, because, like, I get that you were caught off guard, but, like, Goto, we've watched you take way worse beatings than that and stand back up. So I don't under The selling didn't make sense in comparison to the attack itself. Um, I understand, like you said, they're trying to sell the story of, like, Tai Chi's overconfident. They're also trying to... St- tell the story of Tai Chi can't hang with Goto. And so the only way for Tai Chi to be competitive in a match with Goto is to blindside him and spend the first part of the match beating the crap out of him outside. But it, it just nothing about it worked. Um, you know, they, they went ahead with the title change because I mean, obviously Osprey would have been winning the title tonight if he'd have been competing so they just went ahead with the title change but i don't think that that improves my like desire to see anything involving this title right now because goto doesn't entertain me any more than tai chi does yeah and this is something we've uh, talked about before on the show with goto is like he's a very talented guy when he wants to be he wrestles to the level of the guy he's in there with and he only puts forth effort with guys he really feels he needs to, you know, like an Ishii or Suzuki. But he's in there with a guy like Taichi, and he just mails it in. Yeah, he coasts way too much. And, like, to me, I, I'm not going to sit here and act like Goto's a nobody, but Goto, you're not a big enough name to just coast on your name. You're just yeah. not. Like, you're okay, you're always wrestling for the Never title. That's great. It's the Never title. And I feel like this was a, a good opportunity for Tai Chi to kind of step up and, you know, show what he can really do. You know, he's had some moments of, um, you know, some good moments this year with matches against uh, Naito and Tanahashi. Um, so, you know, I was hoping to see something similar to that, what we got in those matches. But instead, we got this and I was just not impressed. Yeah, and I don't I don't even know if that is on Tai Chi or if it's like you said, Goto only gives effort when Goto wants to. And if he didn't feel like putting in his best effort tonight, I don't know how much of it is a reflection of Tai Chi. Yeah. Uh we got a question from Reddit user Tristan H nineteen eighty seven. He says, uh, what are our thoughts on Tai Chi losing the, the never title in his first defense? Um, I mean, my thoughts are the way that they built this character arc with Tai Chi this entire year, it makes sense because they've made Tai Chi more of a threat without making Tai Chi more legitimate. Like he's going to win more often and he's going to get victories over bigger names than you're used to seeing because he's not in the junior division anymore. But Tai Chi is still very much a joke character. So it totally makes sense for him to lose at any given match. Yeah, and plus, too, you think about the time of the year we're at. You know, we're coming into Wrestle Kingdom uh, season. We're on the road to Wrestle Kingdom right now. And you got to think, like, is Tai Chi really going to be in a title match at Wrestle Kingdom? So I was expecting him to lose the belt really quickly and to set up a big match at the Dome. Um, so not surprised he lost in his first offense. You know, I was hoping he was going to lose it to Will Ospreay and not Hiroki Goto. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, right now I'm just kind of hoping that Osprey um, recovers in time for, um, at least in time for Wrestle Kingdom, um, because I would much rather see Osprey than, I mean, even if Goto's in the match still, I would much rather see Osprey. 
Yeah. Um, another question about Tai Chi comes from Reddit user Kamputa. He says, uh, Chuck Taylor buried Tai Chi on commentary at Power Struggle. What are our thoughts on that? He says, personally, I think Tai Chi is awful and deserved it, especially when there's guys much better like Chase Owens that are jobbing. Um, well, I mean, my real thought on it is Chuck's giving his commentary partially in character. And as an active competitor, Chuck should bury Tai Chi because Chaos and Suzuki Goon are like Peter Griffin and the Big Chicken. They do <laughs> not show love to each other. Yeah, Chuck E.T., he called him a, a gothy theater dork who learned karate. Um, and like you mentioned, I think it, it's just Chuck E.T. being in character. Uh, but honestly, I mean, I don't think Tai Chi is that great anyway. It's not like he was burying like Okada or Tanahashi. It's Tai Chi, you know. It's just Tai Chi. He's fine. And, you know, I do agree. Yeah, like I said a minute ago. Yeah. Tai Chi is still a comedy character. Yeah. I do think a guy like Chase Owens is a very solid worker who should be getting some more opportunities and could fit into a never title defense role. Absolutely. I would be 100% here for that. He is the crown jewel. Yes. That's, that and the was, package pile driver is amazing. <laughs> that was the only crown jewel I watched in wrestling this past week. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we definitely had no need to watch any other crown jewels. <laughs> uh, so the next match of the evening, we had the Rev Pro British heavyweight title match with the champion Tomohiro Ishii defending against Minoru Suzuki. And for me, this was the match of the night, a uh, strong style fight of the year candidate. Uh, both of these guys, like we expected, just throwing bombs at each other, coming in, just trying to kill each other. It was awesome. Yeah, the, these two never get old. That like I had three notes on this match as I was watching it. Never gets old. Two tough bastards I'd never want to fight. And these dudes don't even wear pads. And as someone who had major reconstructive knee surgery this year, watching Minoru Suzuki give all these knee drops with no knee pads, like, I cringe at his toughness. Yeah. Yeah, those I are mean, two. <laughs> I give all deference to Minoru Suzuki, too. I ain't, I ain't no fool. I want no beef with Suzuki. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I had the opportunity to meet both these guys actually at uh, WrestleMania weekend at WrestleCon. It was just like, oh my gosh, I'm standing next to Suzuki right now. He could, you know, put me in a chokehold at any minute. Uh, Ishii could brainbuster me at any second. Like, I, I am not in a safe place right now. <laughs> uh, no, but the, I'm with you. This match was phenomenal. I could watch these two guys fight anytime. Yeah. Um, and and was- good shine for the Rev Pro belt. Yeah, definitely a great you know spot for Rev Pro and put them out there. And I love that there was no you know outside interference from any other Suzuki Goon member. We got a straight up one on one match. And man, these guys, dude, all the forearms, all the chops, all the slaps, just back and forth. Both of them firing up, challenging each other. Man, it was just a great, great brawl. Yeah, just two two tanks of men beating the crap out of each other. Um, and the right man won in the end. Yep, Tomohiro Ishii, he gets the win with uh, the brain buster on Suzuki. 
and he retains the Rev Pro Championship. Uh, and, you know, that's a title. I, I hope we see Ishii defend that title at Wrestle Kingdom. I would like to see Absolutely. him in a one-on-one match. Honestly, I'd rather see them defend the Rev Pro title at Wrestle Kingdom than the Ring of Honor title at Wrestle Kingdom, considering the state of both companies. I think Rev Pro much more deserving of the shine right now. Yeah, and especially with, you know, Ishii as a champion. Heck, I would love to see a rematch of this match at Wrestle Kingdom. Why not? Uh, oh, yeah. No, I will never, ever, ever turn down Suzuki versus Ishii. Yeah, so, yeah, that was, you know, yeah, for me, hands down, match of the night. Um, loved it. Um, then we move on to the next matchup um, featuring another Suzuki Goon member. The New Japan Cup winner this year, Zack Sabre Jr., taking on Tetsuya Naito. This was the third match uh, they've had this year. Uh, Sabre defeated Naito in the New Japan Cup, also in the G1 Climax this year. Um, So Naito desperately needed to get a win here. Um, So this was my personal favorite match of the night because – Naito is my favorite Japanese star, and Zack Sabre Time is my favorite gaijin right now. Um, So this was a matchup between my two favorite guys in the company. Um, And I just, I love watching Zack Sabre wrestle. He's he's got that technical style, and he's another one who's just really seamless in the ring and really smooth. Um, He puts that octopus stretch on so perfectly. Um, and I I thought this was a really good back and forth match. Um, you could tell, you can always tell how big an opponent is for Naito by how many times he has to hit the Destino to put him down. So just the fact that he had to hit multiple Destinos on Zack Sabre shows how confident New Japan is in Zack Sabre and how high his star is right now. Yeah, you know, the story in this matchup here, uh, Naito was working over Zack Sabre's neck. Um, which helped set up the Destino. Also, it uh, prevented Sabre from doing a lot of his signature moves, um, having to sell the neck throughout the match. So it was kind of a different uh, layout of the match uh, for them. And, yeah, great change of pace. And, you know, like you mentioned, Sabre, just awesome with all his counter-wrestling and grappling. Um, you know, Sabre was a guy I was not really big on at first. Uh, I did not see all the hype behind him, but the more I saw of him, especially in New Japan, I grew an appreciation for him. And I think, you know, he's definitely one of the best wrestlers in the world. And if you can't see that, you really need to pay attention to his matches. Well, and I really think that pairing him with Takamichinoku has been so incredibly beneficial for his character work over there because Zack Sabre is a charismatic person, but when you've got that language barrier and you're trying to get over as this cocky badass, it's a lot harder. So giving him a hype man like Taka who can deliver these crazy and super catchy promos um, for him before all of these matches has just been so valuable to getting people to pay more attention. Um, and I'm really curious to see where they go with Zach next year. Um, it's not really clear what they're going to be doing with him at Wrestle Kingdom this year, but I'm really expecting some big things from Zach Saber in 2019. Yeah, I think 2019 was going to be a great year for Zach. You know, I wouldn't be surprised to see him win the IWGP title next year. 
considering, you know, they had him run through Naito and Sonata, uh, Tanahashi this year in the New Japan Cup. And he had some, he had a great G1. And he's been a guy that's been, you know, beating top guys and then pushed consistently. So, you know, next year I could see him at least getting a title shot, if not winning the title. Yeah, they, I mean, within the course of the year, they have risen his stock enough that, like, when he's teaming with Suzuki in the tag matches, it doesn't feel like Suzuki's got a tag along. It feels like two main eventers on that team versus whoever the two big names are they're going up against. Yeah, both. Yeah, that's an awesome team. And, you know, we might see, we might see those guys in World Tag League this year, which I think would be great. Oh, yeah. I hadn't even thought about that. That would be. Um, that would give Suzuki Goon two teams probably in World Tag League because I'm sure KES will be in there. Right. Um, but yeah, that would definitely be something cool and give give us some more unique matchups. And then we move on to the main event of the evening, the IWGP Intercontinental title match. The champion, the alpha Chris Jericho, taking on Evil from Los Ingobernables de Japón. Uh, what do you think about the main event here? Well, first of all, when's the last time Evil got a main event? Uh, uh, I think it was like two years ago when he challenged um, when he challenged Okada. Yeah, I knew it had been a while. So, I mean, easily the biggest singles match that Evil's had in quite a while. Um, I I enjoyed it for what it was. I mean, at this point in Jericho's career, he's obviously, you know, lost a little bit of a step. That's not to say that he's bad or anything like that, but, I mean, he's lost a little bit of a step. And Evil is, you know, Evil's capable of a good three-and-three-quarter star, four-star match. Um, I thought that the pacing for this match was good. Um, and I think that having a ring general like Jericho to work with really helped evil a lot in terms of pacing out the spots and putting the match together. Um, my big thing when I watch Jericho defend the IC title is I just don't really know where they're going with the IC belt. Um, I'm assuming Naito's going to take it off of him at wrestle kingdom. And that's kind of what we're building towards. Um, but beyond that, I, if that's not what they're building towards, I don't know what they're doing with that title. Right. I, I think that's clearly what we're, what they're building for here. Um, so Chris Jericho, he retained the title here. He put evil in the lion tamer and uh, tapped him out. And post match, yeah. he was attacked. Submission wins yeah. with the walls of Jericho. Like it's 1999 <laughs> again. You know, Jericho is definitely not in his prime but I think he realizes that too. So he picks his spots and he just knows how to, you know, kind of use some smoke and mirrors to cover up for that. You know, a lot of the brawling, a lot of the weapons, and then, you know, throwing in the big moves in the right times. And he's still able to pull out these great matches. You know, this is one of the better, you know, evil one-on-one matches I've seen in a while. Uh, well, and Jericho still really understands how to let his character work overcome some of those age deficiencies now. Um, I was saying before we started recording that I think my highlight of the night was when he jumped off the rope screaming, everything is Jericho! <laughs> yes, that was awesome. Uh, you know, he was taking some big bumps in there. He took that the uh, that uh, 
STO off the apron through the table. Uh, that was a nice little bump there. Um, we saw Evil kick out of the code breaker. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of great near falls here. But it ended up Jericho gets the Lion Tamer. Evil taps out. Post-match, he's attacking Evil. And then Naito makes the, same, makes the save and challenges Jericho for the title. But Jericho says he's not defending the belt against Naito. Um, there'll be no match rematch with Naito. He already beat him. Um, so obviously that's going to be the story building into Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, Naito getting Jericho at the Dome. Yeah, and, um, you know, I think that we can obviously expect a much different result than last time if for no other reason than Naito ain't getting jump zone twice. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that'll be that'll be good, and it'll be a fun match, and it'll be one of the more story-driven matches on the Wrestle Kingdom card because the Naito Jericho story has been going on for a, over a year now. Um, so that'll be a nice payoff to that feud. Yeah. Uh, I've got a question here from Reddit user FC Champions. He says, do you think Jericho is done with New Japan after he inevitably gives Naito his win back at the Dome? There are plenty of great matchups for him in 2019. Okada, Tanahashi, Suzuki, to name just a few. But do you see him going back to WWE or just going to do that thing with JR? Um, I mean, I think that the Naito story would be a natural conclusion for Jericho. But I think that if 2018 should have taught us anything about Chris Jericho, it's that if Jericho is interested in the story being told, he'll do it. So I don't want to definitely say that this is him closing the door because uh, as he pointed out in the question, you know, if Jericho thought that there's a great story to tell with him versus Okada, he'll tell it. Yeah, I can definitely see Jericho doing more matches in New Japan next year. I don't think he'll be done. Um, You know, I'm not, you know, that whole promotion thing with JR is a big rumor that both of them are shot down. And I don't really think that's happening. And, you know, he's having a lot of fun doing New Japan and being outside of WWE. Um, So, you know, I can definitely see him, you know, signing to do some more matches for New Japan next year. Well, and Jericho, I think, is really enjoying the creative freedom that he's got to do things how he wants to do them. He doesn't have as many of the corporate restraints that you have with a publicly traded company. Um But the thing for Jericho is he's reached that level of legend where WWE is always there for him as long as he doesn't burn that bridge. And he always goes, he always plays it safely enough to where he'll work for other companies, but he'll never antagonize um, Vince or creative or where he came from. He'll always just be like, no, I'm doing my own thing now. I really am enjoying what I'm doing. You know, I thank them for all the opportunities that they gave me and we still have a great working relationship, but I'm just kind of doing my thing right now. Yeah. Um, and, and let's be honest. I mean, at this point, he's probably going to be booked better in new Japan than he would be in WWE. Uh, you know, new Japan, they're, they're treating him as a legit main eventer He's getting to headline shows. He's winning titles. Uh, and, you know, in WWE, when Jericho comes back, he usually doesn't get slotted in a main event position all the time. He usually winds up in the mid card or doing something, you know, kind of random. You know, the last time he was there, you know, they had the whole 
Kevin Owens kind of tag run in the U.S. title kind of thing they did. Um, because so, yeah. in WWE, he's a legend who's not treated like a legend. He's treated like an everyday performer. Right. Whereas when he goes to other places, the fact that he is a wrestling legend and he is one of, for my money, one of the five or ten best to ever do it, if you put all of the talent together and all of the skills and the way that he's evolved over time, um, he gets that deference when he goes to these other companies. He doesn't necessarily get that deference with WWE. Um, and the other thing, the other reason why a company like New Japan is good for him right now is we've been talking about his age and he's lost a step. Well, with a company like New Japan, he can do two or three shows a year. And that can be it. And it can help keep his career going as he continues to age. Yeah. Uh, got some more Jericho questions here. Uh, got a long one here from Reddit user Maserati. He said he's interested in our thoughts on people like Jericho and Cody holding belts but not really being full-time guys there at New Japan. I think it's difficult, uh, of course, to follow, but I, I so far think after the match, Jericho brought the IC belt up a bit in value on the card. I think he's definitely going to lose it to Naito. I don't really think Naito's gimmick of threatening that belt, like treating that belt like hot garbage, does it any favors. I think if Jericho can commit to more dates, he can defend it for a while. It can make it a belt really worth taking going forward, like when half of the Mega Aces was holding it. <laughs> However, if they book it poorly or he only shows up every four to six months like Lesnar, that will also hurt the belt. What do we think? What do you guys think regarding Jericho's run? Um, I haven't had too much of a problem with. Jericho's run because he hasn't been overexposed. Um, as far as the question of how do I feel about guys who aren't with the company full-time holding belts, I'm not opposed to it as long as they're telling good stories. Um, and for me personally, the stories are the more important thing because New Japan is full of great wrestling. I can watch any match on the card and see great wrestling. Are you telling me a good story? that I want to see and that I want to um, get more of. And so as long as Jericho's doing these long form stories, I'm okay with it. Um, Cody, I mean, I don't really know. I don't really think new Japan knows what to do with Cody. I don't think they've ever really known what to do with Cody. So that one, uh, I feel a little bit differently about, but I don't generally hate, the idea of these guys having these titles. Yeah, and I feel like Cody's a little bit different different situation than Jericho because, yes, Cody is not a full-time New Japan guy, but he's over there more than Jericho is. He's been on several tours this year. And then with the Ring of Honor New Japan partnership, a lot of those guys end up being on Ring of Honor shows. He faces those guys. I mean, he's defending the U.S. belt against Beretta um, at the War of the World Tours um, this week. So, I mean, there's definitely some crossover, and Cody's definitely used more. Um, with Jericho, he is used less. I do like that he's not overexposed. Um, even though, you know, I, I love the IC belt, and I would like to see it defended more, I do understand why they haven't and why um, – you know, you, you kind of want to keep Jericho special and it, it makes the IC title special. It's like a rare, it's like a rarity. Like you're not going to always see this IC title match and it kind of raises the prestige and really wanting you to see that title match. Well, and I also think going with that, 
it's good that we're not seeing the IC title all the time because then I feel like we would think there's too many titles. Right. Because with the U.S. title also occupying that mid-card slot, there are conceivably three mid-card singles titles um, combined with the junior title and the two sets of tag belts and the IWGP title. Like That's a lot of belts um, for a company that really has a smaller roster. Right. Um, so, you know, not seeing the Intercontinental title every show and having it on someone like Jericho, who's just a wrestling legend, I think is beneficial to the other belts, um, especially the U.S. belt, which they put a lot of effort into trying to establish a lineage with. And, uh, you know, clearly it wasn't a bad business decision because, you know, this year has been one of the most profitable years to New Japan. So, you know, having that belt on Jericho didn't hurt any of the tours, hurt any of the cards. Um, so overall, I mean, it, it worked out well. And I think, you know, if they want to put another belt on Jericho or keep the IC belt on Jericho, I think it could still be good business for next year. Absolutely. I would agree with that. Uh, then we have a question here uh, from Facebook from Simon Cotton. He wants to know, what do you think is next for Chris Jericho after Wrestle Kingdom 13? Well, I think he'll probably lose to Naito. And then from there, um, it's anybody's guess. If we're talking in New Japan, I'd say he'll move on to another one of the bigger names, maybe Okada, because who knows what Okada will have to do after the Switchblade feud. Um, If we're talking outside of New Japan, I don't know. People keep rumor, like that rumor that he might appear in Impact keeps popping up because of Don Callis. I don't know that I necessarily think that's a possibility because like you want to talk about someone who is way above a company. Um, Chris Jericho is so above impact, but uh, I get he's great friends with Don, but I don't see Jericho doing impact, especially now that their time slot got bumped back to 10. um, And they're just doing horrible ratings. Like, yeah, they, I don't see him going there. Um, no, no. But in New Japan, yeah, I could definitely see him, you know, either going against, going after Okada or maybe after Tanahashi at New Year's Dash and then maybe having a big matchup with one of those guys at Dominion next year. I, w- I would love to see, I mean, I would love to see Jericho versus either one of them, but just for the sake of legend on legend, I'd love to see Jericho versus the Ace. Oh, yeah. There's a great story to be told there. Alpha versus Ace. Yeah, like two of the great legends of the industry, especially of the last 20 years. Like, oh, yeah, that's that's a story I could get a lot of. Uh, another question here from Ben Schaefer. He says, do you think Naito will finally overcome Jericho or does Jericho have his number? If Naito does win, what does that say about his place in the IWGP heavyweight championship picture? Um, I think Naito does win. Um, as far as what it says about his place, uh, I think the thing is they know what they have with Naito because LIJ is the most overstable in the company right now. And it's really not, e- not even close. If you look at those crowds and you look at the signs and the shirts and all that stuff from the Japanese audience, LIJ is everybody's favorite. Um, And if they don't have a story to tell that gets him the title, 
giving him the IC belt still keeps him around, keeps him relevant, and keeps him important. Exactly. I mean, the IC belt it essentially means you're the number two guy in the company. So um, I do think Naito's going to beat Jericho and get that belt back. Um, and I know some people don't like that because Naito traditionally hates that belt and doesn't want that belt because of what it represents to him. Uh, but I do think having the IC belt on Naito is good. Um, you can main event tours with Naito as the IC champ, defending against people. Um, and, you know, eventually he's going to get back in the heavyweight Tyler picture. Um, you know, Wrestle, Wrestle Kingdom 14, um, it's going to be on a Saturday of 2020. Um, and so there's been big rumors that they're, you know, going to build for a Naito Okada match and finally have Naito beat Okada then. So I think 2019 will be all about heating up Naito. Maybe he has a long run with the IC title, wins the G1, and then gets to that big match with Okada and finally wins the belt. Well, and I know a lot of people don't like the way that Naito's treated the belt, but number one, as you said, there's important storyline reasons for why Naito treats the IC belt the way that he treats it. But number two, it so fits with that Tranquilo character. I give so little of a crap that I'm just going to treat this belt like it is nothing, and I'm going to toss it in the ring, and I'm going to throw it around, and I don't care because I'm me. Right. And, you know, clearly, even though he does – he he says he doesn't care about it. Clearly, he does care about it because he's challenging Jericho for it. Uh, I mean, he could have said, I want a non-title match, but he, he wants a title match. He wants the belt on the line. So there, there is a part of him that does care about that belt and knows that being a champion in New Japan is important. Yeah, like he, he doesn't want to be IC champion only because he wants to be IWGP champion, not because being IC champion is bad. Right. He wants to, you know, raise his stock and, you know, having a title is going to do that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so we're going to move on to the news here. And one of the big news is, you know, updates for Wrestle Kingdom 13. There was a press conference this morning um, announcing some more matchups. So they officially announced Chris Jericho versus Tetsuya Naito for the IWGP Intercontinental title. They announced Kazuchika Okada versus Jay White. Uh, they announced Kushida versus Taiji Ishimori for the IWGP junior title. And then they announced uh, El Desperado and Yoshinobu Kanemaru versus Rapungi 3K versus Shingo Takagi and Bushi for the IWGP junior tag team titles. Um, so the Wrestle Kingdom 13 card is filling out. And uh, we got a question from Zach Porter. He says, out of those four matches announced this morning for Wrestle Kingdom 13, which of those are you personally looking forward to seeing? He's looking forward for the junior match with bated breath. Yeah, the junior match is going to get the nod for me as well. Um, I think that all, all four of those matches should be really good. Um, I am very, very much looking forward to the conclusion of the Okada J. White storyline. Uh, but just from a pure in-ring spectacle between two performers that I love to watch, I've got to go with Kushida and Ishimori. Yeah, that that's going to be the one for me too. I mean, these guys are both so great, and just seeing them in, in the ring together is going to be amazing. I know they're going to have a phenomenal match, and I, I love that it's just one-on-one. 
and not a four-way like last year or in previous years. So uh, I think they have an opportunity to be match of the night. Uh, so it's going to be great stuff. I'm also interested to see what's going to happen with the story of Jericho and Naito going into this because Jericho has been on Twitter all day today saying that this match is not going to happen. He says, you know, just because you announce the match doesn't make it official. I'm not accepting this. You know, match decline. I am not putting my belt against Naito at the Dome. This match is not happening. So I'm curious to see, you know, how they're going to build to this match happening with Jericho saying it's not going to happen. I mean, I think the logical way that you work a story like that is you have it be some kind of like Jericho versus the powers that be. And like the IWGP committee is just like, well, you can either defend this belt against Naito or we can just take the belt. Right. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, we got world tag league coming up and um, some road to Tokyo dome shows coming up. I wouldn't be surprised to see Jericho, you know, attack Naito at one of those shows and, you know, pull a swerve and be like, yes, I'll, you know, He'll, you know, try to injure Naito and what with Naito being hurt to be like, oh, yeah, I definitely want the match now. So I could see that happening. Yeah, um, I think that'll be it, it'll be an interesting story to follow. And I like that most of these matches that they've announced so far do have some good, strong builds going into them. Yeah. Um, and speaking of the Wrestle Kingdom bill, we have a question here from uh, Matthew Mayer. He says, so, so many questions going into Wrestle Kingdom 13, but I'll trim it down to one. He says, writing my power struggle column, it hit me. Does this Wrestle Kingdom feel more like a show of side arcs rather than any real main stories climaxing? One of my commenters described it as they are appetizers, not entrees. For example, Omega versus Tanahashi is a big story, but it feels like Omega versus Ibushi is the real main arc slowly playing out. Or with Naito, his feud of Jericho is another big story slash obstacle, but is he more of a season arc villain for the hero to conquer? Well, I think, I think what's plaguing this year's Wrestle Kingdom is that a lot of people aren't as invested in Kenny versus the ace as they have been in the main event of the last couple of years. Um, And there are other stories on the card, specifically Switchblade versus Okada, which feels like a bigger and more complete story arc. And so it's making it feel like the main event isn't as good when it's going to deliver. And everybody knows it's going to deliver they're just not as invested in this storyline because all of these other storylines have um, kind of overshadowed it in a way. Um, right. I mean, you know, with Kenny, with Kenny being off of the Power Struggle tour, there wasn't a whole lot they could have done to really heat that matchup. But, you know, Okada and Jay White have been on the tour, so they've been brawling every night, and there's been a lot of storyline development with that feud. So that feud does seem red hot. When you got Omega and Tanahashi, most of the bill for their stuff has been through them going back and forth on Twitter or interviews or stuff they say at press conferences. Um, But, you know, we still have a few more months going into the Dome for them to heat up that Omega-Tanahashi match. Um, And, you know, like you said, it's going to be a phenomenal matchup. And, you know, for Ishimori-Kushida, I mean, the whole story there, since since, uh, Ishimori came into the company, 
they've been building him as the next top junior. And we all know Kushida's the ace of the juniors. Yeah, and that's that's going to be a great story. Um, as far as the comment about how Omega versus Ibushi feels like the bigger story that's obviously more built, you're not wrong, but the blame there goes to Coda. Like, love Coda, no, no disrespect, but like, when you refuse to sign a long-term contract with the company, there is a limit to how far they are going to push you. Yeah, that's you know who knows what they they would do with him if he actually signed a contract. I mean, maybe they would have do they would do him versus Kenny at at the dome for the belt. We don't know, but I do think Abushi he's a big part in this story because you know Tanahashi wants Abushi to kind of be the next Tanahashi and you know wrestle his style. Then you have Omega that wants you know. Abushi to be with him and be underneath underneath him. Well, I mean, that's not the big story there. Yeah, um, you know, I, I'd be interested in having I'd be interesting in having Abushi <clears throat> get involved in this match somehow. Um, but I don't need it because I know that Kenny versus Tanahashi is just going to be a great match, and these are two stellar performers who work really well together. Kenny always does his best work with the Japanese stars. Um, and so you, I mean, you just know it's going to deliver. Yeah. It's going to be a, a phenomenal matchup. And I do think we're eventually going to get another big, um, Ibushi Omega match and we'll get another big, uh, Ibushi Tanahashi match. I feel sometime next year. Absolutely. If nothing else, if, if nothing else, if Kenny were to be leaving, um, they'll do Kenny versus Coda on his way out. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to run through some other news items here. Um, Jeff Cobb will be coming in for the World Tag League Tour. Um, not sure who his partner is going to be or if he's an official entrant in the tournament, but he will be a part of the tour. Um, the free match of the week is the Never Openweight Championship match with Evil against Shibata um, from November 15th, 2016. Um, Lanny Poffo is going to be back on commentary for the World Tag League Tour. Did you hear any of Poffo's commentary during the Super Junior Tag League? I did not. How is the brother of the Macho Man? He is horrible. That's about what I expected. Yeah, he yeah, absolutely horrible. I mean, uh, we talked about it last week. I mean, he sounds like uh, you know a two K WWE two K announcer, just you know throwing out random like one liner facts, constantly bringing up that he beat Hulk Hogan one time in nineteen eighty nine. Talks about him and then his moonsault and how he stole it from Tiger Mask, and he just just completely bad. On one of the shows, he asked if it was the same Liger under the mask for the last 30 years. I mean, it was just really, really bad. Gosh, that's commentary. JR levels of bad. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really bad when you bring in someone. All the, all the fans know more about New Japan than him. Like, I don't understand why they brought him in. There are a million other people that could have brought in for commentary. Uh, but for whatever reason. I don't understand why they don't just let Rocky do it full time. I don't understand why they don't just let Rocky do it full time because Rocky and Kevin have really good chemistry. 
when Don comes in for the super big shows, Don and Rocky and Kevin are a decent three-man team. Rocky does just enough of the character stuff to give himself some weight, but he also sticks to what's going on in the matches. He sticks to pushing the storylines. He understands more of the Japanese, so it's easier for him to follow what's going on in these promos. Like, just let Rocky do it. Yeah, I mean, either Rocky, I mean, uh, Chase Owens is another guy that's done commentary that's good. Um, Chucky T. Chucky T was good tonight. I know they can't use him for the tag league because they announced that best friends are going to be competing um, in the field. But even so, he did good tonight. They've got a lot of guys. um, They've got a lot of gaijins on the roster that are good at commentary. And then also let I mean, those guys be on commentary. They've been bringing in other guys. I mean, they had uh Mark Wojcicka was at the last tour. Um this tour they also mm-hmm. brought in Mabs Gillis who was also pretty good. So they they ha- they have some good commentaries. Also, you know, Chris Charlton they bring in. Um they have a good, you know, English commentary team that they can choose from. I don't see why they need to, you know, try and add Poffo to the mix. So unfortunately, we will have to hear him once again in the World Tag League. Hopefully he will be with Kevin Kelly um, to help guide him um, and not be completely horrible. Um, we got- Kevin Kelly just needs to be on English commentary for every show because like, even in that show that he had with JR, he was able to carry JR to passability. Right. And, you know, but I, I do kind of like the idea of having like a B English team for like row two shows. And then you can have like Kevin Kelly and some, somebody else be like the A team for the bigger shows. Um, so I, I don't mind that, but I mean, he's so great at doing it. I mean, I would, I would love him to do all of it, but I can understand wanting to have a little bit of a break, but he's just so good. It's like, don't bring in somebody that can't, you know, reach his level. Yeah. If you're going to bring somebody in, like my big thing is if you're going to bring someone in, make sure that the people that you're bringing are people who know the performers and have at least mild familiarity with the company and the current goings on of the company. Right. Also this week, the final bullet club shirt designs with the elite guys, young bucks, uh, Skrull, Cody hangman, those final bullet club designs will be in hot topic stores uh, this week. Um, outside New Japan news, uh, this past weekend, the Jericho Cruise, um, the stream was up on Fight TV and Honor Club. Uh, did you get a chance to check any of that stuff out? I haven't gotten to the Jericho Cruise yet, but I will be checking it out because, um, well, mostly just because I support everything that the elite are doing. Um, big believer in the self-promoting, um, and I think it's really cool what Jericho was able to do. Like, just having the idea, why don't we do a cruise where we just put a wrestling ring on there and have a bunch of music and some great wrestling and get the promotions to air it. Yeah, and they had the, you know, the big Bullet Club versus Alpha Club match. Um, also, they had the uh, the Sea of Honor tournament. So I won't spoil that for you guys yet if you haven't watched it yet. So you can check that out on Honor Club or fight.tv. Um, Zack Sabre Jr. is going to be making his first Ring of Honor appearance at Ring of Honor Final Battle 2018. He's going to be taking on Jonathan Gresham. So that should be a very technical matchup. 
Yeah, that'll be a really good match. Um, and if there's just one thing Ring of Honor needs right now, it's good wrestlers putting on good matches because that is a company desperate for star power. Yeah, Saber's a guy I would try to get on a, on a more, more dates as possible with that New Japan relationship. Absolutely. Like, you need to make some phone calls because he speaks the predominant language, he is a great heel, and he is awesome in the ring. Uh, other news, we have uh, CMLL's Roosh, the leader of Los Ingobernables. He has been announced for the post-Ring of Honor Final Battle TV tapings. Um, also, this past weekend, Ring of Honor had the Survival of the Fittest Tournament. So, spoiler alert, if you don't want to know the winner, skip for a little bit ahead. But the villain, Marty Skrull, has won the Survival of the Fittest Tournament and will get a future Ring of Honor title match against Jay Lethal. Also on that show, Cody and the Young Bucks lost the Ring of Honor six-man tag titles to the kingdom. So new champs there. You know, deserving just because Matt Taven is great. Matt Taven is great. They need to push him more. Yeah, I I, want to watch more of his uh, CMLL stuff. I hear he's been doing a really great job down there. In Mexico. I believe it. I believe it. Also, Ring of Honor, um, we have the Global War Tours, which is a Ring of Honor New Japan branded tour. We got three dates that will be aired on Honor Club this week with full cards on November 8th in Lowell, Massachusetts. We will have Jay Lethal and Jonathan Gresham against Chris Sabin and Kushida. We will have the Young Bucks against TKL Ryan and Vinny Marsiglia of the Kingdom. We'll have Hangman Page against Naito, Jay Briscoe against Scorpio Sky, and Jeff Cobb versus Christopher Daniels in a non-title match. Bully Ray and Silas Young against Evil and Sonata. Mark Briscoe against Cody and Kazarian against Flip Gordon. On November 9th in Buffalo, there'll be Jay Lethal versus Chris Saban in a non-title match. If Saban wins, he's in line for a title shot. We have Kushida versus Gresham, Flip Gordon versus Bo- actually it's a four-way. Kushida versus Gresham versus Flip versus Bushi, uh, Hangman Page and Cody against the Briscoes against Beretta and Chucky e. T. The Young Bucks versus Naito and Sonata, Jeff Cobb versus Evil in non-title match, and um, Young versus Juice Robinson. And then on November 11th in Toronto, it'll be Jay Lethal versus Kenny King for the Ring of Honor title, Cody versus Trent Beretta for the U.S., the IWGP U.S. title, the Young Bucks against Chris Saban and Kushida, and Juice Robinson and Dalton Castle. Uh, and actually, that's just Young Bucks versus Saban and Kushida, and then the final match is Juice and Castle against Bushi and Naito. So that's your Global Wars Tour up on Honor Club this week. Also... We have in other news, Hangman Page has turned down a Ring of Honor contract. Also, the Young Bucks have still have not signed a New Japan contract. Hangman turning down his Ring of Honor deal is the more telling of those two. Because he would not have turned down that deal unless they had some other plan. Right, and I, I, I definitely so, think it's, it's all you know part of the contract negotiations. Uh, we have a, a question here from Reddit user Kilbo Baggins one two three. He says the BTE guys seem to have one foot in and one foot out. 
it's a major letdown for those fans who had so much anticipation for an Omega title run that's been disappointing to most and were running so hot from all in. Is this all an angle? Would it be better for them just to go? Or are they simply bidding their time to negotiate a contract with WWE? I don't think they're biding their time so much as like one thing people need to understand. We talk a lot on the outsider's edge about at the end of the day, these are still companies running a business. You signed a contract. That contract runs until a certain time. It doesn't matter if your momentum is at an all time high and that you've got all these other things that you want to do. You are locked into that contract until it's over. So I don't think they're biding their time as much as they are locked in to their Ring of Honor deal and their New Japan deals until those deals are over. And when those deals are over, they can make their next move. But until then, this is what they've got to do. Does it feel like they've got one foot in, one foot out? Sure, because it's obvious to everybody that they're at least leaving Ring of Honor. They might not be leaving New Japan, but they're at least leaving Ring of Honor. And anyone with eyes can tell you that. Right. You know, Young Bucks and Cody dropped those six-man titles. they got all these guys turning down contracts. I mean, I definitely think, you know, it's all part of a negotiation thing. You know, see how much money they can possibly get from Ring of Honor and New Japan um, going forward. But, you know, honestly, I really don't see these guys going to WWE. They just have so many side projects going right now that, I, I don't think Vince would allow them to continue those projects under WWE contracts. And then Vince is going to want to have his hands in a lot of the stuff they do. So I just have a hard time seeing them going there right now. And if they don't go, that will be the reason. Like, don't get it twisted, y'all. If the elite guys don't go to WWE, it is not going to be a money thing. It is going to be because they enjoy having creative freedom and creative license to do what they want to do. And if you sign with WWE, you can't have that. But it's not going to be a money thing because if it's about money with how much money they made with All In and how successful that show was and the connections that Cody still has with the company, all they got to do is put a number on a piece of paper. And Vince and company will match that shit. Exactly. Um, and um, this weekend at the Jericho Cruise, it was like a live um, talk with Jericho recording, and Cody, the Young Bucks, Kenny, Page, and Squirrel all said that they were leaving the Bullet Club and they are the elite now, which kind of long makes overdue. Sense. Yeah, which makes sense with the you know hot topic and uh, Pro Wrestling T saying this is the final Bullet Club version of the elite shirts. Uh, and just kind of makes sense storyline-wise. So regardless of, of where they're going next, they will be just known as the elite. Yeah, long overdue. Good, makes sense for branding. Um, uh, here's, what, here's what I'll say, and everybody knows it. We'll know what they're going to do come the Royal Rumble because either one of them is going to be an entrant in the Rumble or they're not. Exactly. Yeah, January is going to be a big a big month for these guys, seeing what's going to happen next with them. Yeah, pay attention at Wrestle Kingdom, y'all. If Kenny drops the belt and Cody drops the belt, and no, if none of them have belts come the end of Wrestle Kingdom and the end of New Year's Dash, that could be a very telling sign that they are on their way out the door. Yeah. 
Um, and other, other news uh, for RevPro, they have a big show coming up this Friday, November 9th, your call in London with the main event of Tomohiro Ishii versus David Starr for the British heavyweight title. So the Take heavyweight, my money. Yes, the heavyweight champ versus the junior champ in the main event. Yeah, dude, that's going to be a great, a great matchup right there. Yeah, take my money now. Also on that show, we have Zack Sabre Jr. and Minoru Suzuki defending the British tag titles against Aussie Open, Mark Davis, and Kyle Fletcher. Also, there'll be Satoshi Kojima against Walter. Uh, tai Chi versus Chris, Book, Chris Brooks. Josh Boudoum versus Chris Ridgway. El Desperado versus El Fantasmo. And MK McKinnon versus Speedball Mike Bailey. So I'm, I'm sure the Rev Pro matches featuring New Japan guys will be up on New Japan World sometime after this show. Um, then last thing I have here in the news, Being the Elite episode 124 came out today. Did you guys get a chance to catch that before we recorded? I did not catch that one before we recorded. I'm assuming they're still playing around with the clock. Actually, there was no teases of the clock this episode, so a lot of it was a lot of stuff about the Jericho Cruise, um, showing a lot of stuff to them on the Jericho Cruise and them dressing up as, you know, uh, Mario characters. Mario for Halloween. Yeah, apparently they wrestled against the Impact guys in the Mario costumes. They showed a little some of the clips of them wrestling the Impact, the five-on-five Ring of Honor vs. Impact match. Um, but um, the main thing that ended the episode was Cody being chased down by a guy that looked like Triple H. They showed a guy from the from a, like a behind the camera shot, a ball headed guy, a leather jacket, uh, sledgehammer, spits water up in the air, and goes after Cody. So you know more teases. Uh, well, you know what? Right now, being chased by Triple H would actually be to your advantage because he's all like busted. From the old folks home match <laughs> yeah so yeah so yeah it's another good episode of being the elite um there's some funny stuff like scu and uh flip gordon and just you know the young bucks telling flip he still needs to uh grab the brass ring and he super kicks <laughs> the young bucks and marty coming out the shower so yeah just funny oh, stuff there all right, well, that's going to wrap up the show this week. Kyle, thank you so much for filling in for the young boy this week. Uh, you know, tell everybody where they can find you online. Um, all right, y'all can find me on Twitter. It is at Dr. S'mores. Um, you can also catch me every, I'll say weekend, because we normally record sometime over the weekend. Um, you can normally catch me every weekend on the Outsider's Edge podcast with my boys Rance and sometimes Carl. Um, so, yeah, check us out. Yeah, great stuff. Yeah, all the great stuff on Social Suplex and, yeah, Outsider's Edge, great stuff. You know, this last week we actually had all three of the Outsiders together, you, Rance, and... Uh, it's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> so good stuff there. Um, it, it's been a while. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. Carl's been lost out there. I don't know where he's been at. <laughs> he's busy doing that, like, merry dad thing. Yeah, living living the life, <laughs> the real life. <laughs> but, uh, you know, next week we'll be back. We'll have a World 
tag league preview and covering all the latest news. Also, I'm not sure what the date will be yet, but we are working on releasing our end of the year awards. Uh, Josh and I have been working very hard on all the categories and all the nominees. So sometime this month that um, those awards will be released for you guys to vote on Google Doc. We'll be throwing it out on Facebook, Reddit and Twitter. So be on the lookout for that and make sure you connect with us on social media, on Twitter. The show is at KI Strong Style. I'm at Jeremy L. Donovan. Social Suplex at Social Suplex on Facebook. We are Facebook.com slash Social Suplex. You can also join us in the Wrestling Squared Circle. Facebook.com slash group slash Wrestling Squared Circle. On Reddit, I am the pro black guy. Josh is keeping a strong style. You can also email me, Jeremy at socialsuplex.com. If you wanna if you have any questions for the show or want to get involved with social suplex in any capacity, make sure you check out all the other shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. One Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd. They had they had on um, the Doc Chad Matthews on their show this weekend, talking about um, evolution, crown jewel, and Roman Reigns. Also, check out the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show from Scotland, The Outsider's Edge, featuring Rance, Carl, and Kyle, and our podcast dedicated to independent wrestling, Grown Men Watch This Shit, hosted by Jeremy Tate and Chris Bryant. So don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. Until next time, goodbye and good night. Bang. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time. See you next time. See you next time. Rapungi lights, rapungi bites.